We have a great show for you today, but first, a message from the wonderful podcast, Nancy, and the good folks over at WNYC. I'm Tobin Lowe. And I'm Kathy Tu. And we host the queer podcast, Nancy. Join us this Saturday in Chicago for our Holiday Survival Guide. Our panel of experts will give you advice for navigating the holidays as a queer person. Plus, we talk to Samantha B. writer Trayvon Free, intersex activist Pigeon Pagonis, and the creators of the hit web series Brown Girls. That's Nancy, live at the Athenaeum. This Saturday at 8. Tickets at wbez.org slash events. Hi there. Good day to you all. Wow. We're going to do full British accents. <laughs> that was very funny. You're listening to Ergo, WHBK, ErgoRadio.com. I'm Kiss. I am Damon. And after a holiday week off, we are back up here featuring conversations with artists, organizers, uh, creators, folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and the more creative. Episode 116. And we have a very special guest. But first, anything you want to plug up top, Dame? What do you got? No. Nothing? No, I do not. <laughs> you are less promotional. Yes. Shout out to all the people, though. Every week, you become less yes. self-promotional. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's not good. By the end, you're going to be just like, just ignore me. <laughs> just don't pay attention. Uh, here's what I got. Uh, first of all, this is not an event, but it is a job posting that someone sent oh. to me that I feel like we can plug. Um, some of the folks over at the Experimental Station have Blackstone Bicycle Works, which is a nonprofit bike shop that does job training and all kinds of stuff. They are hiring a new manager. It is a full-time job with benefits. So if you like bikes and you like benefits, that is a good job. Uh, we'll, we'll post the, the PDF up there. That's the name of my forthcoming mixtape, Bikes, bikes and, and Benefits. benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Um, also, if you're listening on the podcast, you already heard the ad for that because I'm going to roll it in up top. But tomorrow night, that's Friday night, uh, WNYC's podcast, Nancy, is doing a live show at the Athenium Theater featuring Ergo alum Pigeon uh, Pagonis, Ergo alum Fatima Asgar, uh, as well as Sam Bailey, and a couple other folks that I'm forgetting about. Um, but so th- first of all, thanks to them for sharing their ad on the show. Shout out to Post Loudness for hooking that up. And also go to that live show. It's going to be incredible. Um, next Wednesday, uh, friend of the show, just someone who I've, I've known around for a couple of years, Amari Simone has a show. Uh, she's at uh, Columbia College called We All We Got. That's the thing Kush is hosting? Yeah, that Kush Thompson is hosting and a whole bunch of other folks who we know are going to be at. So again, we'll post the link to that. Shout out to Kush Thompson. And then lastly, uh, this is a new thing I'm doing that I wanted to do a full announcement up here. Wow. Um, I went to a talk a couple of weeks ago with a dude from Apple Music who was talking about playlisting and how valuable that has become. And I put all this attention into like doing mixes and all that stuff, which I'm going to keep doing. You can always hear the, the WeGo mixes on our SoundCloud and MixCloud. But I've started doing a Let Go playlist series on Spotify. So you can find that. Just search my name, Daniel Kisslinger, on Spotify or Let Go Volume 1. It'll come up. It's just like 10, 15 songs that I've been listening to in, a, in an order. Ah, Let Go. I like You see that. what I did there? I'm, I'm a fan, man. If we start doing like four more things, I'm going to run out of puns. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a good thing. I feel like we've reached our peak. Anyway, we have a very special guest here um a dj a space maker a reiki master a dresser of the highest regard a wonderful 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 guest here on ergo 
folks, make some noise for Gucci Fu. Oh, I'm jumping right in. Oh, this, that's, 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 that's a, a good sign. Drops. That is a good sign. <laughs> We're right at home. So as we like to start every show, uh, on this day, this week, in this season, how is the world treating you? And how are you treating the world? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, today I'm I'm just waking up mm-hmm. in, into the world today. Um, I just got back yesterday from a trip to Miami mm-hmm. for the holiday. Nice. That's where I'm from originally. Mm-hmm. So I've been with family. I've uh, been going back to my roots. How did um, how how is the family? We're gonna jump. We're right getting right into, into it. it. How is how is the it. how is the family holiday dynamic? Um, what works? What doesn't? Yeah, it it tends to work. Um, my family is kind of split off into different parts of the country a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this was one of the first ones where we were my twin brother, my older sister. They don't live in Miami anymore and I don't live in Miami anymore. So this is one of the first holidays that we've all been back mm-hmm. and uh, with all of our partners also. Damn. So that's. All three of you brought a partner. That's first of all, just more room taking up at a table. That's a very big group. What was the? Were there any like surprises about like? Oh, I didn't know you've been doing that for a couple of years, or just like things you learned about different? Because that's what it was for me. That sounds like a Christmas movie that comes out around Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a Miami Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was? Uh, what was great? First of all, do you like all the partners? <laughs> Yeah, I okay. love them. All right, that was an excellent. I believe you, and that was an excellent answer. <laughs> um, so, when you're home, like for a holiday like this, or how often are you going back and forth to to Miami? Um, probably at least like three, three to four times a year, sometimes less. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to get it. My grandma just moved in like the past year from New Jersey down there, mm-hmm. so I have a, you know, I kind of like to go to New York to visit my sister and my uncle's family and then Miami to visit like everybody else. So, yeah. I have a real intrigue, but I can't figure out how to not be corny and asking about it. But in my memory of us doing the show, I feel like you were the first twin that we've had. Oh. I was going to ask about and, this too. And I don't know a way to like ask about that. I promise the me. whole episode won't be Are about you it. trying to ask if we're like psychically connected? Or just, I don't know. I just like, that's that's always like the I little boy that, in me. That's the follow-up question. Whether you're but first always of all, is it identical, it. fraternal? How much, y'all, how much are y'all on the same wavelength? Yeah. So this is my twin brother. So we're fraternal twins. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> I didn't really think about that. There's always been like, he's always been like, you got the, like the brains and like i got something else like, <laughs> it's not run it's something it's it's something else which i don't agree with i think he's really you know smart um i happen to be valedictorian of my high school mm. um my just a soft flex just you know it's it's just a fact <laughs> so just tell your story it's just real it's the real tea and uh my brother ended up going into the air force so he's mm. in the air force right now so we've kind of really mm. gone separate ways but we whenever we get together since we he's in the service so we don't see each other mm. at, you know very much at all so when we do get together it's like let's have fun yeah. you know i feel like personality wise we're really the older we get the more i see like the similarities mm. you know so i'm assuming we're like all in the same age group and we grew up in like the golden era of twins in terms of pop culture and, like mm. 
Sister, Sister, the oh, Olsons, yes, yes. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, so those funny. two very large African-American, I'm, I intentionally said African-American, <laughs> those very large African-American guys. Did it, was it like at any point? No, can you be more specific? I don't, I, they're just, they, they, they were never were like the around. lead, but they would always be like an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was an old school. If you remember that, Damn, movie. that's a tough casting that only one of them got it. <laughs> yeah, but they can start getting older the other way. <laughs> or maybe they did also twin thing. I don't know. Again, I have nowhere to go with this like yeah, twin line question. I'm kind of embarrassed, but I am very much excited for you to have well, that. I pulled out the picture. Okay. Oh, so there it y'all is. Can see. Um, he's like the beefier. Oh, yeah. Of- he's like. He's a cool guy. He's a he's a cool guy. He, you know, in high school we we had totally different like mm-hmm. groups, and he had like this ludicrous size for, for like, a long, <laughs> long time. Is that an adjective or a proper no, noun? No, it's a proper noun. <laughs> like the size like, of like, yeah, the, lo- the size of ludicrous's <laughs> actual fro. That's that's mm-hmm. what he was rocking with, and then like he would leave for school and put his like. Little fake girls. I guess the the one real question I have, and then we can move on to the fact that you do other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that was always cool about it as I was growing up is that it feels like you always have a person as you were developing, right? Like there's always someone there to kind of juxtapose or balance or like kind of bounce you can like look at them be like isn't this crazy you're like yeah this is like we were on the same like i'm not alone in this and so do you at any point in your development did you like acknowledge or notice kind of any benefit of having like a person that is like this is a very special connection i feel like that shapes personality in some cool ways yeah i mean i definitely feel like we you know would play together and stuff like that and i also just like theoretically like to think about like what was the like effect of having like differently sex like bodies like Mm -hmm. incubating at the same Mm -hmm. time and i wonder like how that has affected like if that has affected like me being queer and my Mm -hmm. like gender expression and identity a little bit so like those are just theoretically like some of the things that like i wonder about you know and whether it's the like the incubation as you put it or the seeing someone who is a mirror of you but is also sexed differently than you and identify i'm assuming yeah having that not comparison but just seeing like between the two of you and the person who you're closest to there being this spectrum and that i could see that being that's it so let's jump a we can bit. talk about some cool shit now <laughs> well, thank, thank you for entertaining me yeah <laughs> no it's it's cool i mean like that's you know i like because i don't spend so much time with my family mm-hmm. like it is cool to me like i always go and look at all the old pictures yeah. and like i mean the, before we move on i just will yeah. say that my my sister's fiance's birthday was on thanksgiving oh, my, that's a tough draw my, my twin brother's girlfriend's birthday was the day after oh, and wow. she's colombian and he's colombian too my mm-hmm. my my sister's mm-hmm. partner yeah. so i'll just put it out there like the colombian parties are, are, <laughs> it was it was to the roof it yeah. was drama and then i had to drive my brother to the airport like at 8 a.m the next day Whew. well i was so thinking about life that. when you said that your day is just starting are you fully on a dj schedule like a and just it, not even if you're always out, but just being awake late and then waking up late. Yeah, it goes through like twelve hour 
shift. So sometimes some days I will be up from I'll wake up like around five or six in the afternoon and go to sleep at like 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon or oh, later. Wow. And sometimes I'll wake up at like today, like I woke up at 10 a.m. and go to sleep at like a normal time. So it's weird that it actually does have those like dramatic shifts yeah. and I'm still alive. Somehow. Yeah, that's like, that'll really throw you. That's like Damon's yeah, regular that's, schedule. That's my he life. Doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> DJ or anything. Just, I just stay up till five in the morning. What would you say you're most likely if, if you're awake at 430 in the morning, what are you most likely doing? Um youtubing something about like geopolitical social history <laughs> and by 4 30 you're like deep down the rabbit or hole. like just watching like joe button complex <laughs> which is a kind of geopolitics yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the reasons why i'm excited to have you here uh is you know we we pay a lot of attention in these conversations to the strands that kind of connect between uh people and I may be wrong, but I kind of feel like in seeing you as someone who does a lot of different things, it does feel like there's this very consistent through line. Um, And I'm trying to figure out how to describe what that is. And so rather than doing that, I'm wondering, like, how do you think about that as someone who does many different like forms? What do you identify as the through line? Um, Yeah, I mean, number one answer would just be like me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but um I think like it's this creative creative expression has taken many different roads. I I ended up in Chicago at Northwestern to study theater, so I feel like I'm a visual artist, you know, kind of my training has helped with that. I'm a performer. My theater training has helped with mm-hmm. that being an organizer. I think is just an extension of wanting to uh, create the same platforms that have been like offered to me, Mm -hmm. to other people. And then just wanting to make my career and living off of that. So it's like all these different things. And then like, as you mentioned, like the Reiki practice, I think my art has like, has become a little bit more spiritual over, or like the spirituality has revealed itself to me over over the years and so can you talk about that that yeah. process or that timeline that of, of of how that entered your life and the development as you see it yeah definitely i think um so i think my art has been like about rediscovering and reclaiming certain aspects of my identity like pretty much all aspects of identity everything mm-hmm. from like gender expression um sexuality and culture um race um and then within that uh you know i think art is a spiritual practice at the at the very Mm. root of it yeah you know so over over the years starting off as a as more of like a burlesque and drag performer and then kind of going more towards like a performance art um exploration and then building installations to like house the performance I start to notice that it's that what I'm looking into and researching is is just about you know like my own heritage and I was raised Christian so I wasn't really having much access to more traditional um spirituality and also the art that accompanies that Mm -hmm. So because that is yeah. such a huge part of it is the even just the like not just the aesthetic of it but the 
the the making of it too and the process of what you know just globally like the practice of making whether it's like altars or you know murals or um stained glass like all that 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 is part of the of the of the god finding process if you want to like use that that word yeah so what we don't we don't have to stay we're gonna do twins and god those are the two <laughs> um but kind of where are you these days uh with with that kind of spiritual side like what what what's grounding you what's what's feeling right mm-hmm. yeah i think uh i feel grounded and i'm not like really initiated any into any like spiritual traditions besides like reiki mm-hmm. um which is not a religion so um i think just knowing understanding my place in the world better through my own through research and through my own like family history yeah. i think has me feeling really grounded um just staying focused on what i perceive my purpose to be and what my purpose is revealing itself to be mm. through like what i'm doing and what's offered to me and yeah. what i feel like compelled to seek out yeah um that and then the, the people around me that are like affirming and challenging you know at the same time so like i think that's the whole connection of seeing you seeing you know people's higher selves are being able to i don't know if that's even too hierarchical for what i'm been saying but like oh it's really cheesy like see the light the light of me you know like we're, we're, but we're it's comfortable real. with a little yeah. cheese <laughs> i have actually an interesting i'm real big into etym- etymology and then i have a question so the word hierarchy which is like a big thing that we all think about and how to like subvert hierarchies and create non-hierarchical formations and structures the root of that word actually means the rule of the sacred priest is actually about how beer, 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 beer. <laughs> it is about how wow. society was organized through the church and the fact that it was wow. a, a vertical structure and those up top were the priests. That's right. I mean, I, I think like it makes the sense, root of right? what <laughs> I was wanting to say was like this, the us that's kind of like beyond this, like mm-hmm. kind of like earthly toil, yeah, yeah. you know, if you will. Um, yeah, it's not, not a higher being, but like a more kind of True. to the root being or yeah. yes that that thing that people have been trying to figure out for a long time so with yeah. that i, I want to um hear about your journey into reiki and then also get like how you explain and understand Reiki. because i think it's one yeah. of those kind of like cool things that people say and often don't know what it means yeah. i've even like had a reiki treatment before and i don't think i could explain it to someone actually besides saying it's good you know yeah so, I, I brought so. a bell so Ooh. instead of a mirror horn i'm gonna do my bell when wow I'm like, we could have had that up top on the that sound is. effects <laughs> i am very excited I, like, I don't have anything but i have my bell I am <laughs> you just very became, excited you just became my favorite guest yeah, ever. This, is, brought, you this, brought is, a bell. this is all time right now <laughs> we have to figure out a lot of ways to use this bell now yeah that's that's great so let's you, one of the things you mentioned again so we did twins God, now I want to talk. No, we can't talk about Ricky. No, we can talk about oh, Ricky. Okay. <laughs> how? Do, well, yeah, then I'll come back to the thing. How do you? How do you think about Ricky? How does that fit into some of this um, purpose that you were talking and, about and finding your your way to to contribute? And how did you start practicing? Yeah, I started practicing through um, some friends of mine that were um, like became Reiki practitioners, and I was curious about it. And had a few sessions with their Reiki teacher, master teacher. Um, 
and whose name is Ivan Nieves. I'm going to put it out there. So shout out. Shout out. Um, and I was like, oh, this is, this is really interesting. Like, I kind of want to know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, I would describe it as being on the practitioner side as facilitating the re somebody's realignment energetic realignment with like universal flow universal mm -hmm. energy um and it comes from like traditionally um it's not like a religion or per se but i think it does come a lot from like buddhism and it's just a traditional japanese form of spiritual mm. Healing and energy Brian work. I wouldn't call myself like a healer, you know, necessarily, but I'm helping people heal themselves, mm -hmm. you know. That seems very uh, consistent with uh, the best DJs I've ever heard. <laughs> that I earned one. That's perfect. That's not a DJ saved my life. But that process. Yeah. But actually, exactly, right? Like that process of helping folks. Can we get through. that in the podcast? That song, you know that song? I'll put it in just that little drop right there. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, take, I do take requests, but only for drops in the podcast. Um, but that, that realignment with the flow that happens on a dance floor, with the flow that happens between songs, does that feel like an extension or a natural extension for you of what you're trying to do when you're, when you're playing music for folks? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like one of the best parts about Reiki is that I'm also be like sort of like a channel, mm. you know, or a conduit mm. as a conduit, the mm. energy also flows through me. So it also is helping me. So I definitely see that the connection like on the dance floor and the DJ booth, cause there's this high, like when, you know, when you see people like getting their life and just having this physical and spiritual release, like I, you know, I feel that. And then I also feel like, when it's not happening, you know, or maybe I can't, you know, at that moment I can't connect with like, you know, cause I can't always know. I don't always know what people are experiencing. Right. Yeah. Like I can't, I just can't know. But you internally. Can get a, but you can get a sense of it from yeah. the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. it's, in, it's interesting. I think I'm drawn to things that you can like, as the person doing it, you're impacting a room full of people that way. And then you get the immediate sense of whether it's working out. So whether it's like DJing or stand up or, you know, even some of the like religious stuff, you can feel that way uh, or like the more engaged stuff. Because mm -hmm. um, there is something really amazing about that feeling where like a group of people stops being a group of people and becomes a crowd or a dance floor or an audience. And they're this unified uh, thing. Yeah, it's kind of an amazing, kind of an amazing thing. And And I think one of the things that I like most about talking with people who DJ and make parties and make spaces that way is that it is this very tangible uh, reimagining the same way that we always talk about up here. Right. But it, it's this very like physical imagining what you want the room and the world to feel like visually, physically, musically, and then making it and seeing what works and what doesn't. So for you, like what is the perfect room or what is this, you know, utopic room you're trying to make and who's in the crowd? Yeah. I mean, I think it's people that are open, people mm -hmm. that are open. That's all I want, <laughs> you know, just, 
I have been DJing for like at least five years, which is it's been amazing. And that's my that's my full time job is like DJing artist. I I hate it. And I'm also guilty of this, too, is when people like have expectations that they are not going to be happy unless they you know Mm. what I mean for like a certain it's realistic for a certain kind of music and stuff like that but like me as an artist like I just hate feeling but limited and sometimes it's my Mm -hmm. own perception of like what's expected of me that like limits me and doesn't and I don't feel like freedom in that so that's that's all I want is it's like a room full of people who want to be there who want to experience like my art and experience something with me that are open to new things or open to different things, like open to, to, you know, like I, I just, I don't like just stay at home and YouTube DJ, you know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, I have a question though yeah, for you all. I, love it. Thousand um, I just want to know, like, who are your favorite DJs? Hmm. I think I have a list. Uh, definitely Shantae, Ray Chardonnay, yeah. uh, DJ Monty. Um, I'm very nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got some? DJ Empathy. Give you, beep, beep, give beep, you a shout you. out. Appreciate that. I mean, those are, those are the first two that came to mind. I got to think about it. I'm trying to think about the moments where I've had that feeling, right? And, and who was... Who is doing I've that? I've seen Oreo Rock a that's, couple times. Uh, that's the per- other person. We're just naming the like, DJs we've had on the show. Yeah, um, yeah I kind of have to think about it. And it's interesting. That's someone that I don't... I don't always think about the... the Even as someone who is starting to take that craft more and more seriously, I don't necessarily... Um, oh, I have a couple. Bobito, who's also been on the show, but and we don't like know super... Pretty, but when he does parties and stretch out so they're like we're both really incredible um an old school i don't know this might like not overlap with your chicago time but old school chicago uh yca-esque favorite dj itch or oh, itchy yeah, fingers yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my guy man <laughs> why uh out of curiosity why do you ask are you, are you making you just, a list you just try to find new folks who are doing good stuff i'm yeah just out of just out of curiosity like a lot like you know obviously i know who ray is but everybody else i don't oh well. you know i don't know them so i feel like i can get stuck in my own mm-hmm. you know bubble so i'm like who's popping like i know it's very subjective of like what kind of music do you like right. and what are you what are you looking and for the that you find yourself in yeah. yeah do you have i'm not gonna ask your favorite but do you have some like collaborators or comrades in the game that like you have a special love and appreciation for yeah i mean i definitely have to put um props and shout outs to like the chances- decibel Lisa, oh, yeah, oh Lisa Decibel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, like the Chances Dances crew, which um um shout out to A Preston Mint for teaching me how to DJ number one. Mm. Um and then my partner that I do with Robiteca with, La Spacer, which we should talk about yeah, more yeah, later. We'll um we'll talk about it next. I will take talk about it next, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, and the whole Party Noir crew, the whole Futurehood crew. Um yeah, and, and there's more. Yeah, no, of course. There's way more, but yeah. But when you talk about getting kind of, um, not stuck, but kind of enveloped in your own um, musical world in the city and the the parties that you play and the scene that you're in. Um, nice use of enveloped. 
Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Not bell worthy, but but solid nonetheless. <laughs> um, I, I actually really appreciate the way that you asked that because that's something that uh, takes you beyond just the the person doing the craft, and also as someone who is one a space maker and two like trying to connect people to resources. I know is a really kind of central thing uh, that you do. So we'll get to some of that, but let's talk about Tropoteca first. Uh, there it is. There it is. It's <laughs> happening. It's going down. That was a really... <laughs> um, at this point, I, I know a little bit about it. I know some folks who, who have, have been at it, but what does it look like at this moment in time? And like, what do you want the world to know about this special, beautiful thing that you make? Yeah. So it's it's basically um, my baby with my partner, Les Baser. Um And so we started it out as uh as a uh platform for artists working with queer and tropical aesthetics so that mm-hmm. intersection yeah. um and then we were at juniors in pilsen for a while and then they shut down so right now we are kind of a little bit nomadic we don't we're not doing like a regular thing mm-hmm. we just kind of like pop up when the space yeah, is yeah. like offered or given space is like a huge challenge just because we don't we don't want to just work with anybody or work right. with in any space, especially in this moment in being based in Pilsen. Also, it's like there are plenty of galleries. Let's be thoughtful about who we're giving time and energy and that like cosign to as well. You know? yeah, yeah, totally. There's, How have you all negotiated mm, that and managed that? Yeah, like I think politically, like it's it's. We just want to work with the people that we want to that we want to work with, and we don't want to be. We want to be uplifting people um, in the neighborhood. We don't want to be, you know, contributing towards um, gentrification and displacement. Um, and I think that's tricky when you are talking about art communities because right. art communities can be something that is a factor yeah. in gentrification and and displacement. So I think that's why, probably why we have found some spaces, but like, I don't know. I think that first place was just so magical mm-hmm. that it's hard to like, mm-hmm. I think we just like need our own space, yeah. to be honest. And that's, that's such a premium and such a hard thing to to find your way to in Chicago, just because of the like, talk about geopolitics, the politics of the geography are so, mm-hmm. so deep. So how at this point... um where do you maybe not physically, but just like in the in terms of the culture of your community, like where do you hope this party lives? Like what what do you want it to contribute to the folks who you like to celebrate with? Yeah. Well, it's that's a great like segue to a project we're working on. <laughs> Can I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right I didn't say the name yet, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the segue bell. <laughs> this we've been thinking a lot about what we're gonna do, and we decided to apply for a propeller fund grant, mm-hmm. um, which we received uh, this year. Congrats! That's beautiful. No, that is bell worthy for sure. Uh, definitely. So the so the next thing that we are working on it's called uh, ICU cuties for short. Uh, which stands for International Chicago Underground Queer Transcendence Symposium. Mm-hmm. So basically it's an art and music festival that we're planning for June of 2018. Wow. Props on the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's, 
<laughs> I've become uh, a big fan of a of a quality acronym. I used to be kind of anti anti acronym. I know that's why I've become a fan. Because you know when you don't out of spite. It's funny because I'm usually the one acronyming. Yeah. But I feel like when I first. <laughs> I feel like this was actually a big thing when I got to college and there was an acronym for everything and I didn't know what anything was. Oh, because they weren't acronyms. It was just abbreviations. Yeah, that's just the letters. Yeah, that's no good. Ah. We could talk more about that later. <sighs> but did you hate college? Huh? That's a did, weird question. Did you, go to, yeah. did, did you enjoy college? Oh, I enjoyed my education. Mm. Ah, that's the type of diplomatic answer I give. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went to Northwestern. You can mm. imagine there's yeah. a lot of like entitled rich yeah. kids that went yeah. there. So Yeah, so we can actually stay on on that moment and then we'll go back to the to the new project. In that one pattern that has emerged in our talk conversations recently with folks who transplanted to Chicago, which I did as well, was folks kind of jumping headfirst into the like nightlife. kind of traditional <laughs> nightlife world or even a not like a a less uh large scale mainstream. But like that was the entry point. And then it got to the point where they had to look around and be like, man, I don't think I can keep this up or this is not this healing. Sucks. Me. This is, this is the worst. <laughs> and then taking a step back and then kind of finding their, their scene and their current and their community. Is that consistent for you or coming here for school? Was it a little different? Um, yeah, I think um, a lot of questions were kind of like answered to me about, you know, like just a lot of identity yeah. growth and discovery happened in that time um yeah i also kind of experienced myself like as a minority for the first time mm -hmm. like living mm -hmm. here especially in evanston versus in miami True. where the majority of people that i saw every day were black and brown mm -hmm. um and then so when i started going out i started going to like boys town you know which is like typical and i started to realize <laughs> this is not a place for me yeah and that's when I started going out to like Chances and FK and stuff like that. More of like the queer, a little bit more like less, I would call it a homonormative or a little bit less gay male centered mm -hmm. spaces. Um, and so that definitely led me into my performing and DJing yeah. um, world. Defi that's definitely the trajectory. Had you been in some of those worlds in Miami before you moved? Like, were you a high school kid who was out? I went out, but I was more into like the indie, like kind of indie dance kind of club scene, not yeah. like club space and yeah. like techno. And I didn't go to the, any gay clubs. There just were people in the places that I was going to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was. Yeah, I can imagine like you got to be real selective with the Miami nightlife, in particular. <laughs> beyond the yeah, beyond the like cliches of Miami that we like think about, I, I do think it sounds like the it, it is this very kind of um, fertile ground for like music and sounds from all over, like the whole hemisphere, um, in a way that that might function really differently uh, from anywhere else. Like what, whether it's sounds or understandings of the rest of, uh, you know, the world uh, musically, what, what did you bring with you here from, from your musical experiences there? Yeah. I, I mean, a part of why I think what Tropoteca was birthed out of was this desire to hear mm -hmm. things that I heard all the time 
in Miami, but right. didn't have the like not necessarily the right platform, but like an open platform to be able to play like salsa, merengue, like you know, dance hall and and newer versions of it and experimentations of it. Right. So like, I think when I w was growing up. At the same time that people here were experiencing house, I was experiencing electronic music in a different way. Right. So I definitely like have brought that with me, like drum and bass, breaks, trance, um, and then more traditional like dancehall and reggaeton and reggae and salsa merengue, bachata, like all of that. All of that stuff kind of is like constantly like whirling around in my head and I'm constantly like, you know, weighing out like, you know, how much access people to have to, to certain things. So like sometimes I, I'm like, I don't want to play this because it's too commercial or what I want right now. Or I end up playing it because that's somebody's that's access yeah. point, you know, but then I also don't want to perpetrate a lot of what is, is being conveyed on like these more like commercialized forums. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So, you know, and then when I do play more that little bit more underground of like Miami, Miami base and stuff like People are open, but sometimes they don't get, they don't get it or they don't, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of always trying to like, like balance between the familiar, the unfamiliar, yeah. like maybe they'll, they don't recognize the beat, but it's at the same BPM as like juke yeah. or as it's something else mm, that they're yeah. like, you know, house in a way. So I'm trying to like, that's cool, you know, like stretch. Yeah. I love to make, you know, transitions between like juke and Miami bass and like, um, like, fast merengue because mm -hmm. it's on the same bpm yeah. so like making those i love to make those connections between like chicago miami detroit the caribbean yeah. south america i think that's like a very clear-cut example of the artistry of dj and not to like be too like ding 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 but <laughs> but I, you know, I think it gets really underappreciated and like commodified like you were talking about earlier like kind of feeling that pressure of put into a box and the transitions you're talking about of like creating a, a new experience that like you have to be connected to is like and unifying diaspora too yeah i mean that that seems like just from what you're describing a huge part of it and i don't want to assume that is, is that like part of how you think about it <laughs> oh, man. i am such a fan of the bill we're gonna have to buy it <laughs> i was gonna say still the, that one but definitely. i want you to keep it <laughs> yeah definitely it is it's really it is diaspora and it's helping people understand especially like i wish that there was more um, like connection between um, the Caribbean African diaspora and the African diaspora here in the States and understanding mm -hmm. like, and just seeing all the connections like musically and art artistically and politically, yeah. you know, yeah. like in the, the, the struggle. Particularly and here like, in Chicago, I feel like more than m most large cities with like a mass black population, I think, I feel we are like the most disconnected from like West African and, and Caribbean cultures. I don't I don't feel it as forefronted as I do as I see it on East Coast cities. Yeah, when you're in New York, I mean that was like most of the most of the black folks who I knew were not from the American like their families yeah. weren't from the American the, South. Not from the know? Great Migration. Yeah. And so in thinking about that, I wonder here in, in kind of navigating what people are familiar with and comfortable with, um, let me figure out exactly how I, how I want to say it. Take your time, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you know, <laughs> in, in Miami, where the the kind of like flow of uh, people and cultural exchange is kind of more direct and kind of more fluid than it is here. You know, one thing that I know from other, like my dad plays music from the Balkans, right? So like Serbia, Macedonia, that part of the world. And shout out to Macedonia. (laughs) (laughs) We got a huge listenership (laughs) in Macedonia. Um, But one of the things that he talks about is that like the songs that they're, that those communities are playing here because they immigrated, you know, 80 years ago or so. They're playing songs that no one in Macedonia is still playing. They have innovated and created and reshaped and reimagined past that. So in many ways, like the only way to hear those songs anymore is here, which is, you know, thousands of miles away. So I wonder, you know, for not that there isn't, you know, a flow of people and ideas and sounds back and forth uh, across the diaspora in Chicago to the Caribbean, but I wonder whether that, um, whether you see that at all, like whether there are songs that like if you played them in Miami, people go like, oh, that's like some old salsa shit that we don't even listen to anymore. And here, these are like the stalwarts. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I do like a lot of research. I love Mm -hmm. like old music, you know, and music that's shaped um, our music and culture in ways that we don't even know, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think people are really appreciative in Miami just because it's like, you know, it's that like that jam that like, you know, like, they kind of like never get old, even though they do get old hmm. a little bit. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I will say like I wonder how. I part of what I want to do is keep keep things alive, right? Keep, keep right. like this relevance and and connections alive, and I think that's like probably one of the miracles of like house and and sampling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and like hip hop too, right? Um, is that nothing dies? Yeah. It just gets yeah. reshaped and reimagined and re- very actively historical. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, like, I in the future, like, part of what I really want to do is like record some some covers or some remakes of like these old like Caribbean songs. Um, you know, especially like in in Spanish, just to bring new life to yeah. to the 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 spirit of that so you, you just answered a, a question that i want to ask so i'm gonna ask you to think of another answer so yeah. I, <laughs> not like in addition to not like uh, another one um but I've, I'm, I'm really interested and have a desire to have more conversations about like casting the future or future making mm-hmm. um and so like without any pressure or any commitment what are some things in that you want to make in the world that you have not yet made or do not yet exist, even if they don't come to fruition or like you take a different path, but like in your, in your soul spirit, like in your dreams, what are some things that you want to make? Yeah. I mean, and I'm that's definitely, one. So we have one. You have one. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I definitely want to make like, I'm also like a singer and a vocal and a musician. So mm. like part of my research has been to learn, mm. you know, specifically percussion, um, but I also, I want to, I just need to make music. Like I want to mm-hmm. bring, um, you know, like I've had like an idea of like doing a house remake of an Baker sweet love and doing, mm. you know, like, um, like just the old songs that have like the vocals we don't hear anymore, mm. you know, like it's, I, I can't, I don't connect to like pop music and like top 40 music. Like that's totally not, mm. Unless it's like Latin American, you know what I mean? Like that's the only top 40 that I'm really like 
know I know a little bit just really the essentials of like who do I really need to know yeah what is really and what is like politically aligned with what right I want to say um but yeah just making bringing back a little bit of that I don't that je ne sais quoi of those older like yeah. vocalists and divas that yeah. you know we have like we do have some but I feel like that, like Who magic are and these romance. remarkable, like commanding, powerful women, many of whom like eventually managed to get to points where they could like have the same control that they had on the stage. Some of them were able to actually get in their career in a time where that like was very like atypical. So there, there you mentioned are there particular people who you want to kind of reimagine and, and reshare their voice, like people you listen to a lot that you're like, man, let's 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 turn the spotlight back to this person. Yeah, I mean, a little bit maybe more obscure, like somebody like La Lupe, who like in Cuba at the time when like Celia Cruz was rising to fame, like she was the queen of of Latin soul. And she kind of her route, she um, had her rise to glory and then went to the United States and kind of like spiraled down. Mm. Um and she reminds me in a way of of like Whitney Houston. So I feel mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. Whitney Houston is definitely on that list. Um Mariah Carey's still alive, but she's on that list because her somebody that has like an angelic, yeah. you know, heavenly, otherworldly voice. Um so at times. At times. I mean, the, you know it's oh, there. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a, Had. That's a... <laughs> she has it, but it's, you know. It's in storage somewhere. She's still here, but the voice isn't. She, and that's, that's <laughs> the industry. Let's not and that's also that's just so, it's it. so sad when you, like, who was, someone was describing seeing, uh, seeing New Edition perform <laughs> and hearing, like, because, like, Ralph could still sing, but just, oh, none of, they just couldn't sing yeah. anymore. Yeah, they, they, they're like a beat slow on the steps and everything but that is there's something so tragic about a voice like that and you you mentioned the not feeling connected to pop music is it specifically because of the way that the vocals are or is that just the sound in general or the politic of it like what because i think for me it's often the just repetitiveness of it but you mentioned it in the context of the vocals i just i'm like where's the soul Mm -hmm. you know where's i think when and i don't want to be like too hypocritical about it because i do make money this way too but like i think you know, when I just money mm. and like, yeah, uh, like I just I don't feel the soul. I feel like, and this, <laughs> like you know, a lot of music being created electronically, like, and maybe it is like realistically sampled off of like real you know acoustic instruments. Um, but I'm not even talking about like I'm not talking about electronic instruments like. You know, like I'm talking about like on a computer. Um, I just feel that the quality is different, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, I don't know. So like, I know there are people that are making music off computers that they have that, that soul and that passion, Mm -hmm. you know, is there. But I think like on a larger, like commercial level, it's just hard for me to connect to like, I just don't know where, you know, the soul is and like, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of hearing the same, the same messages. It's just mm-hmm. like not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there nice. are people that are moving <laughs> conversations forward, you know, like politically and spiritually, like on, you know, up there, but like, it's just, I'm it like, I'm not I'm turned off by it. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it lines up with kind of what we were talking about before about you being so attuned to the energy of a song or of a room or of a person who you're, you're working with. So I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more in the context of this moment. Um, I know you've played a couple like events that have been either fundraisers or in direct support for, uh, you know, uh, allyship and support with the rebuilding and the reclamation in Puerto Rico. And I'm thinking about some of the conversations that I've had, not in a like nightlife context, but just with like folks from whether it's Puerto Rico or other islands since the storm who have just been talking about the psychological and psychic and emotional drain of that and the the disconnect and the not being able to hear from folks and just how that impacts the rest of their lives. When you're playing, let's say in the last, you know, two months or so, have you felt a difference in the energy and the dance floor when you're playing uh, music that centers uh, that part of the world? Like, because I imagine that many of the people who are dancing to it, that is a, you know, identity connection as well. Um, I, I guess I, like I feel yeah. different. Like I feel like there's m even more of an urgency of like cultural preservation and up uplifting um, than I did before. I will say like there, there's definitely like a lot of Puerto Ricans here. Uh, do I feel like there, you know, are many that I'm interacting with that are coming mm. to the sets and, not as many hmm. and i'm also and i'm also cuban so i right. can count on one hand the number of like cuban friends i have here hmm. so i feel like what ends up happening is is that like i just feel like i'm casting energy into hmm. you know the universe and into like like honoring like ancestors musical ancestors and and traditions and I end up kind of like not caring about, you know, as as much about if people are connecting to it because the the message of it is like it just feels like critical, mm -hmm. um, and it's critical to like draw attention to Puerto Rico right now and right. to to other islands that have been affected, and just especially because Puerto Rico is a U.S. colony right. that is still a colony, and people just don't understand what that means and how like it's so removed yeah. you know so from people's lives here unless you directly have like family there so mm. so does that kind of answer your question yeah. like it's yeah. it's it's less about the people but for it makes sense for what you just said because that is part of your it makes sense that what you just said being less about like whether people out there are connected with it and it's and it's like part of your wrestling and your healing and your thinking and your urgency around that no that makes that i mean if you're gonna have a puerto rican dj you're gonna deal with what's right weighing on us right, right. now you right. know it's part of that like you shouldn't and can't have culture without the pe a, a culture without the people that that comes from and as many of the realities of that as as our in all those people yeah no that makes sense yeah. and just like even to have like a moment of being like this like like i think recently i did a, a like a fundraiser with um lester ray mm -hmm. and the like poom poom group and like i just like cut off the music for a second i had the moment of like why we're here like yeah you know like 
it's awesome that we're having fun and we're able to enjoy this, but like, that's not, you know, the case for a lot of people. Like it's a really, it's life, a life or death situation. So yeah. like, you know, but we all have our, I don't know, but I think that's, what's beautiful about like resistance and coming together, like bringing, bringing, like having a deeper purpose for doing nightlife mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. And when you, when you see someone in your crowd, who's not like getting that, how do you handle that in the moment? that's i'm like making a a face of like the eyebrows went all the way up they they went all the way up just because like i i feel like it depends on who the person is if i'm trying to like i don't know i just feel like it goes back to that thing like are you coming to this being open to receive Mm -hmm. what i'm offering you or or not you know yeah and of course it's not always as you know, binary as that, but like what I'm hearing or or, or what I want to ask based off what I'm hearing is are there ways, including kind of what you're talking about now that you use the power of the DJ booth to like hold the room in the space accountable or hold individuals in the space accountable, uh, especially as like our consciousness around consent and harassment is expanding, not quick enough, but you know, in, in a significant way and the dance floor kind of being uh, a Mecca of violating consent, <laughs> at least like historically, over you know, in, at least in our society In what ways um, do you mediate that? Or is the room kind of designed in a way that it's, it's, there's almost some uh, built in protection from that, but, but just the power of the DJ booth in terms of like accountability in the space, how do you see that? Or have you had any experience facilitating in that way? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely called people out for being harassers and gotten people kicked out and, you know, have delivered messages of what the space is about, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in more like more so in like the queer nightlife scene, but it should be extended to like anything um, that I do, you know, to be honest and like you know, shout out to the women and fans, you know, like, um, stuff like that. And, you know, I am accountable to people that come to my events, you know, like, because I, it's not a good time. You know what I mean? Mm, I don't have a good time. Uh, I know what I don't like. Right. You know what I mean? And I've been, you know, brushed off and blown off by people when I've tried to bring up a problem or you know address something so like it is a space that it's like volatile it's you're able to like take action and that's definitely something that i really admire and respect about especially about like party noir and being at their mm-hmm. events and the way that they use the the microphone and their platform to to promote to promote um you standards know, and values standards and values and ethics mm-hmm. um and like tangible expectations for how people are going to be in that room. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. and I think that's empowering for everybody that's there. Yeah. You yeah. know? So that's definitely like, you know, something that it's also like a fine line when if you're like, if you are playing music that has like, that has like aggressive sexual content and, 
you know, yeah, something we all on, gotta reckon with. on either on either side. And I, I definitely like struggle with that, especially with playing some of like the more old school, like Miami Booty Bass and, and Reggaeton. Like it's very misogynistic. It's very mm-hmm. like rape culture, you know, promoting. So I'm like, how can I take like, where's the freedom that I find in that? And mm-hmm. it's in like the music and the beat. And, um, you know, like balance that with like, you know, or reconcile that with the content. Cause I've been like, I just can't play that song. And then sometimes I play it and it's like, like a reclamation in a way, or it's like a querying or it's a, Mm -hmm. you know, like the context of it, I think is really important. If I play a particular song to a room full of a particular kind of people, it's not going to have the same impact or the same, like, you know what I mean? Like it could be perpetuating, something in one space and it could be doing something else in another space. That's a contradiction that I'm really looking forward to being like reconciled in my lifetime is the fact that the music that we like to turn up to and celebrate, we either have to like turn off our critical thinking or flip it or reclaim it. Uh, And it it is just disaligned with a lot of the values we're trying to like um, internalize right now. And I feel like we're at a real, close breaking point of when, of of when we could stop saying but i like the beat right like i know i've had separate. some you know some like male like djs being like i don't listen to the words and i'm just like what <laughs> like, like we'll i just go the beat yeah. and i'm just like okay like no yeah. but <laughs> we know? don't we also don't want to erase our culture and the things that we like grew up on or be overly pc for pc so it's it's a it's a really interesting balance that i struggle with yeah that's really that's really so how do you and i think some of that the the challenge in that comes with like the familiarity and the the like recognition of what a crowd is asking for right because you could have a playlist that perfectly aligns with your uh ideology and what you feel like the world should be and the world you're trying to make and if the people dancing to it are not looking for the same thing. Like you have to recognize that you are also like in conversation with them. Um, so we're about to run out of time, but I'm curious, like, how do you, yeah. How do you think about that challenge? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think like, um, it, like, for example, like if I'm playing to like a room full of men, like I don't care what you think about what I'm playing or like, I'll take it into consideration, but like, the fact is that like like it as like uh like a woman or femme presenting person and even like it's just this is my platform and mm-hmm. i don't have we don't have our voices are not listened to as much and that's just a fact our voices are not honored as much and that's just a fact you know so like do i care about you know like whether you want to hear the song or not mm-hmm. No, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I I mean, I don't know. That, that sounds really cold hearted, but it's. But it's, it's yeah. only cold hearted outside of the context that you gave. Right. Of like, if you if that's then go in one of the other million rooms that's playing. The yeah. Go listen to the radio. Go YouTube, you know, yourself. Go everywhere and then, else, literally. <laughs> you know, and then like, you know, so that's. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at is that like I need to be focused on what is my again, what is my purpose? What is my message? Like, what do I need to say? What needs to be said? Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. We got to get out. But let's do, I think it's the perfect a, transition. Yeah, uh, so so the cornerstone to our show, a game we like to play every week yes. with all of our friends and guests. And I'm excited to hear from you on this. It's centered around accountability. Okay. It's centered around the music. There's a sect of the world that I like to say has run amok yeah. in my lifetime. And those are R&B singers. <laughs> and so every week we invite our guests to start beef with an R&B singer of any era from Motown to the the most recent song. To the stuff that you don't like to listen to. Either. Today. Right. Uh, be for the R&B singer and why. Okay. <clears throat> I guess the, I feel like the obvious the obvious answer for everybody is, is R. Kelly. Yes. But, but, but so, I so. I kind of have beef with The weeknd. Ooh. This is a repeat of... Oh, Saba was the other person. <laughs> it's why, a, why? It's a repeat why? Because, yeah. I mean, I honestly haven't listened to anything since like... I would say 2000. Since the good days. 12 yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, of when they were coming out. Cause mm-hmm. I just, uh, once they were just, you know, like singing about like taking off your clothes yeah, and, the, yeah. and the, I just like, I'm just like, I'm yeah. done with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I'm just like, say something else. Like, yeah. where's the, and I was listening, you know, listening to like Boys to Men and some mm. like older R&B mm. like that. And I'm just like, where's the romance? Yeah. Like where's the where's the love? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think you where, summed it up. Where is the love? <laughs> All the right, do you have any last plugs or shout outs? I we gotta do. Go. Really quick, um, this Sunday at Twisted Cantina, we're doing our ICU cuties uh, soft launch. So we're gonna have some like merchandise to sell. It's from seven to midnight. It's gonna be me, DJ Coochie Fruit, and La Spacer and Calixta from Cumbia Sasso. Oh, um and also a quick plug for um new year's we're doing uh voyager with canvas this year it's gonna be a dope warehouse uh okay party warehouse party (laughs) a warehouse party yeah so um that's those are the where where can folks find the info for that for the info um you can go to tropiteca.com dot club oops dot club t-r-q-p-i that's very impressive (laughs) t-e-c-a dot club tropiteca.club um so you can use uh, facebook search icu cuties and then for new year's it's um voyager new year's and where can people find you if you can look online, me online, C Q Q C H I F R U I T, uh, Coochie Fruit, and uh, Jacqueline Carmen Guerrero. That's my real Whoa. name. Shout out to the and Shout out to all the Cuban name, Puerto Ricans the out there. Cuban <laughs> real. Shout out to 305. I'm going back for Art Basel. Oh, um, and Tropiteca is actually DJing at a Rolling Stone party Damn, look down at there. So. Okay. Big thanks. Gator boots. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's wrong. Don't have gator boots. <laughs> but also, shout out to your use of the Q. Yeah. I think that's one of the other things that I'm very impressed by. And on that note, <laughs> note we'll be back next week with another conversation from Chicago and beyond. That's Edgar Radio. Much love to the people. Peace. <laughs>